Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where Owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that Owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, we're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice escrow and title services. Call 833-858-0066 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. Hi, I'm John Meacham, the host of Cadence 13's new podcast, Fate of Fact, on how America and its political parties got to where we are today. Available now on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. All right, welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Evan Jenkins on the other side of the microphone. And Evan, college basketball is officially over for the year, but maybe not. (laughs) Because as we were taping this, news just came out from Arizona, a prime coaching job that uh, Arizona Wildcats have fired Sean Miller. And uh, now they're going to be looking for a coach. And it's going to be some dominoes that are going to fall because that's a prime gig. That's one of the uh, upper echelon types of things. So (laughs) schools are going to be holding on tight and doing a whole lot of coaching watch over the next few days to see who moves and what dominoes start to fall. I have no idea who would even be and who, who would they go after. I mean, Jeez, this has kind of happened all of a sudden. I was all set to talk about the Final Four and the national title game, and then and then this drops. So Arizona being open, Arizona's is one of those blue blood programs that, uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would love to say, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, head on down to Tucson and, and get this thing going. And it does show you how quick things can change because under Lute Olson, you know, they were a powerhouse. And now you're sitting there searching for another guy now. Do you think that they'll try to get a proven coach or go after like a hot assistant? Oh, no, no. You got to get a proven coach. That's what I'm <laughs> I think thinking. Everybody on that staff is tainted. Let's be honest, folks, in case you don't know the Arizona story. 
they are about as crooked as the letter J. They <laughs> they've paid a lot of players. They were part of that FBI investigation. I'll say allegedly. I don't think we have to even put allegedly. I'll just say that for legal reasons. But yeah, check out the FBI investigation. Their name is in there. They got handlers. They got bag men. They did a lot of things. They paid off uh, a lot of guys. Um, yeah, not a good look for them. I mean, you, you may be a day late, dollar short. You probably could have got a guy like Chris Beard to come there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if you're Scott Drew, do you leave Baylor? I wouldn't to go to Arizona. Right, that's just it. Like, I, I don't know. I I honestly, I mean, if if you're gonna go the straight lace type, you go and bring in somebody like a John Beeline, who's the antithesis of Sean Miller. Beeline is as straight lace as you can get. But um, yeah, I I have no idea where they would start looking because, man, they're, jeez. <laughs> or do you just double down and go get Rick Pitino? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, has his name already cleared enough that you think that they can, that like a major program can already hire him? I think it's cleared because he did his penance. He went and coached. He, he showed his love for coaching as he goes to Ionia. Well, and then he was doing something overseas too, coaching a Greek team, I think it was. And I mean, right, so he maybe he served his time in coaching jail, and now you can go out and say, okay, we'll give you a shot at this. But they got to have a splash. They got to have a big name. They can't just go and get anybody. They got to go and get somebody. They got to go and, and and get somebody who can really help in turning this thing around. I don't know if there's a a. Jeez, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if there's a name out there that can Phil really... Martelli. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying because the only reason I asked about the proven guy before because you see a guy like Sadie Washington that's over there at Michigan, who mm-hmm. I think is on the cusp of getting a head coaching job, but yeah. his next head coaching job might be like a Loyola type school where. Um, <clears throat> Look, here's the thing. when I look at Saudi, Saudi may his next coaching job may be down the street at Eastern Michigan or okay. Western I mean, or, or Central Michigan. That's that's normally the progression that you take. I mean, it, it's rare that you get a guy like Drew Valentine who goes from you know being an assistant to getting the head job. But it is Loyola Chicago. But he's not even thirty yet. He turns thirty next month, and he's already the guy. He's he's got the pipeline in the sister Jean. Yeah, I wonder if it's almost they go the Michigan route and look for a hot assistant in the NBA ranks. You could because they have the money. Arizona has a ton of money. Don't forget the guy that owns the Suns is, is a is a uh, is a AU grad. Right. So and let's also not act like the weather isn't fabulous there. And I mean, it's right. a nice place to live. Right. I mean, maybe you go after Calvin Sampson, head coach of Houston. It's only so much you're going to do at Houston, but. But you got Arizona resources. He might be the one. I think you hit it on the head there because he's the wow. one. I mean, he has all the experience in the world. And look and, what he just he did with Rick Houston. Pat- he was Rick Pitino before Rick Pitino, where he got popped. Yeah, at Indiana, and basically right? Had to, he had to start all the way back at the bottom and work his way back up to the top, went to a god-awful Houston team that nobody cares about, turned them into a little bit of a powerhouse. So maybe they go that route, but – yeah, it's uh, talk about things that happen on the fly. Yeah, maybe they go get Archie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a job. I mean, well, here's all your brother's sweaty clothes. You can now sweat through them, too. Yeah. But it yeah, is weird like, because, like, when Indiana hired Mike Woodson, I was like, what the hell are they doing? And then they hired – I thought that was Dane Fife's job. And then they hired him as an assistant. No, I, I think Dane Fife is coaching waiting. I think uh, if anything happens with Woodson, that's Dane Fife's job. I don't think – they had to make a little bit of, of of a splash. It was weird just because the AD did all the – they didn't do a search firm. They didn't do anything. No one knew what was going to happen except for this guy. He was the only one. He didn't tell anybody. And going out and getting a former Hoosier and, and Woodson, like, okay. But, yeah, trust me. 
Dane Fife's going to do the heavy lifting. Uh, I kind of saw that coming, and so I wasn't shocked when the news came out that he left Michigan State to go back to Indiana. He's going to be the main recruiter. He's going to be the guy going doing everything. Him and Thad Mata, who I, I don't know, you know, he's also could be the replacement for Woodson. It's weird to have two guys who could replace you on your staff at the drop of a hat, but that's what's going on in Indiana. But Fife going back there, played under Knight. Um, you know, he's a pretty good recruiter when it came to Michigan State. Uh, Max Christie in this class coming up, you know, he's like, in the top 10 of the NBA draft nets for next year's draft. He was the main guy going after Jaron Jackson Jr. So Fife has, you know, Gary Harris was his guy. He's got a lot of people that he brought into Michigan State. So um, I think that'll be a good pickup for Indiana. Where does Michigan State go? For their assistant to fill that that Fife void, that's going to be another good question. I mean, the – the dead on, if this happened a week ago, I think we all knew it would have been Drew Valentine. He yeah. kind of has a job right now, but that would have been the perfect fit for Valentine. Young coach, fresh pair of eyes, you know, a way to do things and see things a little differently. But, um, yeah, where they go now, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they go after Mark Montgomery and bring him back because he just took a job at U of D, but – you know, which assistant job would you rather have, U or D or MSU? Well, it's Michigan State 10 out of 10 times, and that's just based on the competition and the league that you're playing in. But could it be somebody like Tum Tum who's been sitting there learning? It could, but I don't think Tum Tum would move the needle. Tum Tum would be a good fit. Uh, Chris Fowler, uh, who was on the team, he was uh, an assistant, and then he went down to northern uh, Arizona and became an assistant coach there. He could come back. I know the team really liked him. He's young also. But, I mean, I don't know as far as recruiting-wise because look, if, if you come to a, a, a place like Michigan State, you got to be able to recruit. you got to be able to hold your own. you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And I don't know, you know, if those guys are, are big into that because now you start looking at, you know, is, is there a – you know, a hot AAU coach. I was joking with somebody and said, "Hey, maybe they go get a Monty Bates father, since he's the coach of that uh, that high school team." Well, if he's hired, you can guarantee Monty's coming to Michigan State. Yeah, how much? Along, along with a bunch of eyeballs looking at you. Yeah, I, well, let's not act like Memphis didn't hire Dewan Wagner's father before he committed there. But how much stock do you put in? I was asking this question earlier to Doug Karsh, and I was just curious. How much stock is put into an assistant coach in the college levels when it comes to the actual X's and O's, or are they more important towards the recruiting and preparation for the game? It depends on the – really, it actually depends on the age of the coach. Okay. I think that, you know, you saw Roy Williams steps down. I think the game, Roy had just got tired of the game, and Roy was just like, you know, I don't want to do the grind. I don't want to deal with the transfer portal. For older guys, I think they handle it, – it's almost like a corporation where the assistant coaches have a large stake at this, whether it's recruiting, whether it's X and O's, whether it's player development. Okay. Their job is to kind of come in on game day, you know, work out the plan and go out there and win games. But, yeah, younger coaches are probably more hands and on – and they're actually the ones running the team. But, you know, the Coach K's and the Izzo's of the world, I got to think, probably delegate a lot of power to their assistants because they're in their mind, I want to get these guys a job someplace else. And for the and it's actually a – it's a blessing and a curse to be an assistant that high on that type of a level for that type of program because you make a lot of money. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to take – you know, you don't have to go to Eastern Michigan and make, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year when you can stay at MSU and make four hundred thousand dollars a year with less headache and be a part of a winning program. You can stay at Duke and make the same thing. So those guys can be very picky at that next job. And a lot of times, yeah, I, I'll just turn down that U of D job because it's, you know, I, I got a great gig here at this school. I, I don't want to take on those headaches. So you kind of can wait for that perfect moment. Like if uh, Valentine didn't take it, like I thought that, uh, you know, 
Loyola Chicago may have been a perfect job for, for Dwayne Stevens. And I look at the Central Michigan, actually, as a, that may be a good jump-off point for Stevens within the state. And now with the transfer portal, you can, you, you can get a team turned around fairly quickly if you get the right one or two people. You may not be able to recruit somebody right away, but maybe you can go and get somebody who was at one of the Power 5 schools and needs to take a step back. Kind of like, um, um, ah, what's this guy? Uh, none. The kid who ended oh, up Kendrick Nunn that went to Illinois and then yeah. had troubles there and came to Oakland and goes to Oakland, lights it up. Oakland says, Campy says, you can shoot the ball as much as you want. Kids in the NBA now. Yeah. So you may be able to do that. You know, if Stevens goes to Central, find that guy and be like, hey, <laughs> you can run the team. You, you were a 10th man there. You can run the team here. You know, you, you you could do what Johnny Zhujang did at UCLA. I'm on the bench at Kentucky. I'm the man at UCLA. So Transfer Portal can help you out, but I do want to – I want to stop people a lot, Evan, because they think that the Transfer Portal is the end-all, be-all, and you could all get just fix everything there. And you're seeing it a lot. I mean, both sports, football and basketball, have over 1,000 kids in there. Mel Tucker – Mel Tucker's damn near abusing that thing. He is shopping there. <laughs> he is, man. He's, Mel Tucker is shopping in the transfer portal like he's at Costco. He's buying in bulk. <laughs> okay, give me this, give me this, and give me some of that, and give me some of that. But you got to remember, you're taking cast-offs. You're taking misfits. You're taking people who, let's face it, hadn't quite developed at the school that they're at. Very rarely do you get the Justin Fields of the world who just say, you know what, I want a new start someplace else. A lot of times you got to ask yourself, if you just wait on your guy, could your guy turn into something better? Like Rocket Watts leaves Michigan State. Let's say Rocket Watts goes to Florida State and becomes, you know, a 16-a-night type of score with, uh, you know, four, four assists type of thing. You know, Florida State's happy. Michigan State's like fans are like, well, why didn't you do that here? Well, you, you kind of bailed on him too quickly. Or maybe he just didn't get the right, you know, nurturing, whatever it is. Right. You always – everybody's like, oh, we'll just get in the portal. Like sometimes you may have it right there, and it just takes, you know, that dirty – the new dirty four-letter word, patience. <laughs> you just got to sit and let a kid develop. But Because if you're not a – NBA All-Pro in your first year, you're a bum, and why do we recruit this kid? Not a big fan of that. Yeah, and it's not very often either that you see kids that have like really proven themselves either that step into that transfer portal, and you have to take a look and say, is a kid being a bad sport because he's not seeing the field right away? Is it A, because he's not good enough to see the field yet? Is that because the coach doesn't play underclassmen that much? Or whatever it might be. But, I mean, that's the same as recruiting any high school kid, too, because that's based off a conversation. So you got to think it's a gift and a curse with, with both ways. But I like the transfer portal, but I think in basketball you'll see kids translate quicker only because, you know, there's only five guys on the court at a time. I mean, look at what the kid from Florida State that went to Ohio State this year, that point guard, number 13. I mean, mm-hmm. he was great for them but he was also pretty good at florida state and so you got to look at the situation that they're in are they being a bad sport are they pouting you know rockets in a in a very unique situation where he's a kid that played a lot of minutes the entire season from you know he played freshman year and you don't see a lot of freshmen playing that many minutes for tom Izzo, and then to his sophomore year and it, it just might not have been the scheme that worked for Rocket in the long run. You know, it was the perfect spot for him when he had a great point guard. But when he needs to step up and do other stuff, he's too much of a dribbler side to side than he is take it to the rack sometimes. And and Michigan State doesn't leave that open. But like you said, if you go to a school like Florida State or Louisville or something like that where it's just run and gun, that's where he might thrive. Yeah, and see, I, I actually thought that he was going to thrive better when, when, as Michigan State got the new point guard, that that would help him out, that Tyson Walker would take all the pressure off of him and bringing the ball up the court, and Rocky could go back to being the Rocket that he was in his freshman year, near the end of his freshman year. 
But, yeah, I mean, it, it just always amazes me that everybody wants, you know, especially, you know, my radio partner, Mike Bellini, who's just get uh, 50 people. Mike, you can't have 50 people, okay? You can't take everybody. For every hit that you get in the transfer portal, you're going to probably swing and miss three times. So, you know, everybody, hey, Joey Hauser was supposed to really do something. He didn't quite fit the way that people thought that he would this year. You know, Tyson Walker coming in from Michigan State, you don't know. I mean, you would hope that, like, with Juwan, that, you know, you could strike gold with Chandy Brown and Mike Smith. But Juwan also had a couple other transfers that never saw the, the point. I mean, they never saw the court. So he was batting 500. We just never talked about the other two guys that never played. Yeah, but and, they were transfers. And it does make you think, too, because, yes, did Mike Smith and Shondi Brown take Michigan to a level where, quote-unquote, people didn't expect, right? You got to stop looking at preseason rankings and say, well, you know, they were ranked ninth, so-and-so. Well, okay, that's you and me picking who we think is going to be the best in the league based off of paper, based off of what they did last year, right? We, right. You, you don't, you just don't know. So I like to to say almost like Shondi Brown and Mike Smith were nowhere to be found in that game where it meant the most, right? You know, the mm-hmm. game where Shondi Brown went off with Eli Brooks, they won that game by 20-some-odd points. So, yes, it's nice, but do they come in clutch when it matters? And sometimes when you take players like Mike Smith, the bright lights are really, really bright when they come on, right? So playing at right. Columbia in their conference championship game and playing in a lead eight game, that's different basketball, flat out. And Mike Smith had his way with a lot of guards, but when the talent went up, you saw them start to fade a little. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. Um, it's when you look at the transfer portal, and you kind of spoke upon it. It's it ain't always the greatest thing. Like, you know, you got state fans now saying they, you know, we need to get a point guard, we need to get a big man, we need to get this, we need to get that, and it's like, guys, you also have to recruit players. You got to yep. develop your own players. That's the key well, because everybody you're getting from the portal, at some point, the original team thought they were going to be this guy, and now they go someplace else. And you look at Baylor, and you're like, well, well, Baylor did it. Yeah, Baylor was the exception, and a lot of those guys on Baylor sat a year. That's the other thing. I mean, it will help that you don't have to sit a year, but before, if you took a transfer and they the waiver didn't clear, you had to eat that scholarship for a year, and they did nothing. So now, if the NCAA approves it, which I think that they will, you'll get a chance to move around freely one time. Yeah. But, and, but you, I mean, and you said it too, like for every Johnny Juzang that comes in and lights it up, let's not, let's not be crazy here and say that he was phenomenal all season because there was a lot of games he didn't even score in double digits, but he turned it on at that moment. But for every one of him, you also have a Joey Hauser where you're like, mm, yeah. could those minutes have gone to somebody else? And now, then but, I also state <laughs> you, you end up with a, a, a Matt McQuaid or a Kenny Goins, a kid that his first couple of years didn't amount to much. But by his junior, senior year, because you stuck with him, they turned into something. Well, I think <laughs> – Cassius Winston is a prime example of that. His freshman year, you heard so many people. He's too small. He can't play in the Big Ten. He can't guard anybody. He's not fast enough. He can't create his own shot. Yeah, he's too fat. He's too slow. He can't do this. And now imagine if Cassius jumps in the portal, and now he turns into the Cassius of last year. And... Stay well. Why didn't he do that here? He didn't give him a chance. Well, and it takes time. I mean, for a kid to come in and be a straight stud as a freshman, and you're six feet or under, it doesn't happen very often. Well, I mean, think about Trey Burke wasn't a stud his freshman year. No, Uh, Xavier Tillman. Yeah, prime example. Xavier Tillman barely played his sophomore year. He was sitting behind Nick Ward until Ward got injured, and then. He got in the game near the end of the year against Michigan and kind of turned it out. But, once again, he developed. He got better. I just think that a lot of people are just so impatient in this world and just thinking, oh, well, you just got to go out and get this new, new fresh face, and that's going to be the answer. It's not the end. In the end, 
one team cuts down the nets, 67 teams, or actually like some 300-some teams are disappointed yeah. because they didn't win a title. Well, and you got to think, too, is like, you know, fans sometimes get blinded by the one and done at certain schools, whether it's Kentucky, Duke, whoever it might be. Carolina is a good example. But Michigan State is not a one and done school. When you see Michigan State teams excel, it's when their kids are upperclassmen. When it's Denzel as a senior, Draymond as a senior. You know, there was that stat for the longest time where you stayed four years at Michigan State, you were going to be in a Final Four. Now, I know that that ended, but that's how they build their program is through longevity of getting three- and four-year guys. And and that's even true. I mean, look at the team that won it. You know, Mateen and Mo Pete, and yes, Jason Richardson was young, but... No, no, you sprinkle with some young talent. Sure. Absolutely. But you need those veteran guys. And, I mean, Michigan was a prime example of it this year. All the veteran leadership that they had from Isaiah Livers to Austin Davis to Eli Bro, like, those weren't all new guys. Those were guys that, A, played in John Beeline's system, translated over to Howard, which he wasn't doing too much different than what Beeline was doing, you know, tough-nosed defense, run the set offense, kill the three. And... That's why you succeed most of the time with the good teams. You know, Kentucky, go look at them. They're more times are an eh team with those freshmen than they are the Anthony Davis team with those freshmen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Carmelo Anthony is not coming into college basketball every single year. It's just not happening. I mean, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State was meh, right, all year long, meh. And that's going to be, what, maybe your top pick? Look at USC with Evan Mobley. I mean, that kid, too, he can change a game, but he's not going to do it enough to win you a championship. And in college basketball, I firmly believe championships are built with upperclassmen. I would love to see. I don't even know the Baylor roster offhand, but I bet you that they have some upperclassmen. Those, that's not a bunch of fat freshmen. No, they're not. They're not. They, uh, they're, but they do have, I think, like Four or five transfers on that team. They got a lot of transfers. They got, but they are upperclassmen. They've been around. But I think Baylor's kind of the unicorn. Baylor is the exception. Baylor ain't the rule. It's like everything fell perfectly for them. I mean, it's like with Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, for all the one-and-dones they've had, won championship since they've started doing that under Calipari. That's it. Yeah, they were upperclassmen. So their they're best guys, you know, Thamba, he's a junior. Teague is a senior. Mitchell's a junior. So their core are guys that have been there, been through it. And, right. and I mean, you want the one and done. I guess it's great for the highlights that you see on ESPN the next day. But in reality, I think the college basketball teams that actually build a team rather than see, build one, a season. Man, the one and done is like that luxury pick. If, if you got the senior team and you could sprinkle in that one and done. Sweet. Now you got something. Now, you know, it's it's like when MSU had the team and they had Jaron Jackson. You know he was one and done. That's the type of thing. You don't want to have to rely on freshmen. That's why I was happy Michigan State got Tyson Walker so that Jay Nakins didn't have to come in and become the point guard because it's rare that a point guard succeeds that early in their career. It normally takes a few years. But, um, you know, there's different ways to make a team, uh, you know, and, and when you look at, <laughs> you know, and it's funny, talking about the national title game, a lot of people were just saying, the old Gonzaga, you know, they choked, they were frauds. I'm like, guys, yeah, I know a lot of coaches, pretty much every coach would love to be the type of frauds that Gonzaga was. Gonzaga knocked off 30 top, I mean, 11 top 30 teams this year, 11. Everybody talks about how bad their conference is. And, Evan, this may be a little before your time. I don't know. But when you ask people, well, who was one of the best teams of all time, one of the best NCAA teams of all time, a lot of people will say, I think it was the 90 or the 91 running Rebels with with Larry Johnson and, you know, Stacey Augman, Anderson Hunt, all of those guys on there. You're talking about, like, the rematch with Duke? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the year that they it was the, the ninety-one team because they won it in ninety, and then ninety-one they came back and they were supposed to be the baddest team to well, ever no, touch. The, the well, basically ninety-ninety-one. Okay, so but the ninety Rebel team destroyed everybody. I think they only lost one game that year. Yeah, they were that good. 
But you know what nobody said? Well, you didn't play in a good conference because their conference was god-awful. Their conference was the equivalent of what Gonzaga did, but people gave them credit. Gonzaga was a good team. They just ran in. I don't think people were giving Baylor enough credit. Baylor played phenomenal defense. Well, and I let's mean, not act like Baylor wasn't the number two in the preseason. I mean, right. those two teams, like, they very well could have been undefeated if they didn't have COVID, right? And right. And the fans that I hear saying, Gonzaga didn't play anybody. Well, guess what? Those are fans of the Big Ten. How did the Big Ten do in the tournament? Go ahead. I'll wait. Because yeah. they got how many teams out of the first weekend? Hey, Big Ten fans, quick guess. <laughs> Last time they won, 2000. Yeah. So you let's know, pump you know, the brakes. Yeah. Mateen Cleave still had uh, dark hair, and he had hair on top of his head. And Matt Ishbia wasn't a billionaire. Okay, <laughs> let's do, put it this way: <clears throat> everybody in the Big Ten except for Wisconsin weren't born yet. That's the last time. It's just so crazy because we've talked about it all season long. How good is the Big Ten? And our answer was always, "We aren't sure," because that's yeah. all they played. Guess what happened? They got popped when they played out yeah. of their conference. And you Anybody- can say, "Oh, Michigan did great." Did they, though? Did they, though? Because you lost to a team that shouldn't even been in the tournament because I was told a playing game doesn't count as a tournament yeah. game. Correct. And you were 5-4 and four to end the year. No, man, when, when you look at the Big Ten, they're not that good. And anybody that says Gonzaga choked or Gonzaga frauds or anything like anybody on that bandwagon, <laughs> you probably just followed basketball starting in mid-February. You're not a real college basketball fan because a real college basketball fan is not that ignorant and wouldn't say anything that stupid. Well, but I mean, if you just start following, <laughs> you know, you, you didn't realize that, yeah, their conference may not be the strongest, but their non-conference schedule, nobody would have played that because that's career suicide. But they went out and they beat all of these teams. Like I said, they won 11 games against top 30 teams. You can't luck your way to the NBA final. I mean, the uh, NCAA final. Well, and you also, can't do that. weren't they scheduled to play Baylor this year and it got canceled because of COVID? Because of COVID, yeah. During the regular season. So, A, I'm happy that it was the last game of the year. It wasn't the classic that we all wanted. But also go look at how much they gave two nights before in order to get to that game. So let's not act like they were a crap team. Let's not act like Jalen Suggs isn't an elite player or David Timmy. Like, they had great players on their Dude, team. here's the thing. With Drew Timmy, if he comes back, they'd possibly be getting Chet Holgrim, the number one recruit in 2021, and Walker Kessler uh, from North Carolina, the seven-footer. Their back – I mean, their front court will be – yeah, no one will be able to stop them. If, if if they end up with those three guys all there, there's a reason why, For you know, in the way too early preseason top 25, Gonzaga's ranked one and or two. They're going to be back. They're going to finally get it one of these years. I don't know why people just took glee in the fact, that, oh, well, they lost. I'm like, guys, they, they have a good team. They got NBA players. They just ran into a Baylor team that shot damn near 60% from the three-point line. And at times, Evan, it looked like they had seven players out there on the court. Their defense was it that good. It was so – they made Gonzaga play like a team that was just shell-shocked right off the rip. They out-Gonzaga Gonzaga is what they did. They, they mm-hmm. cut to the basket, had extreme success early on. I mean, Mitchell is that kid is incredible. What yeah, he was and doing it helps early when on. Jalen Suggs picks up two fouls. Well, and, and that's the only reason why I would say maybe they got tight is because I saw Suggs make that second foul, and that's a foul that you only make if you're tight. The reach in like that, mm-hmm. and a guy that's not yours. When I saw that, I was like, they're already pressing, and it's like ten minutes into the game. And that's where yeah. problems in and it starts snowballing and three after three. And then there was times where they cut it to nine, but let's be honest, they weren't gonna cut into a twenty point lead that Baylor had when Baylor I mean, they were a legit team all year round. I remember telling and we've talked about this multiple times, the Baylor Texas game that that 
preceded Michigan-Illinois, I'm watching that game, and I'm like, those Big Ten teams could not play with them at all. They wouldn't be on the same floor, and look what happened. So anybody, they're a fraud. Go look at your own conference. Tell me how they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the Big Ten, not good. Big Ten is now old for the last 20 when it comes to winning a title. Well, everybody else has gotten one. ACC's gotten a bunch. A the bunch. Big 12's gotten some. And, man, you got nothing. So, don't really want to hear how great the Big Ten is and, Oh, the numbers were fake. You want to talk about fake news? Yep. Big Ten numbers were fake news. I mean, just the rankings were. But but we talked about the season all year, just that we don't know what we're getting. But people want to react to what they're seeing without being cautiously optimistic about it. I think Michigan had a very, very nice run, but ultimately disappointing at the end when you only score 49 points and lose by two. I mean, you hold a team to 51, you expect to win that game 10 out of 10 times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I would have walked into their locker room and been like, boys, you're going to hold them to 51, are you getting that win today? There wouldn't have been one player that said no. Right. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, they rolled all the way, but I want to pat myself a little bit on the back where I said, once they got to a team that was actually going to play basketball and not rely on the athleticism of their players with a running gun, look what happened. They played a basketball team that had X's and O's, clamped down on defense, and quote-unquote mucked it up. They don't muck it up. That's just how they play basketball. You know what I mean? They slow it down. They'll post you up. They play basketball like it was 1995. And it worked. And it still and does. Like, yeah. the thing. You, UCLA actually played a little bit different. They lost their star player, and they had to change things, and they had to muck it up. Very similar to how Michigan State made it into the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know what? Screw this scoring 70. We, we got to get it, get this game in the 60s and 50s if we're going to win these games against the top teams. It worked out for them. And I'm laughing because I'm looking at the early top 25 polls. Oh, I know MSU's, who's number two. MSU's in a lot of the polls. No. Now, for Michigan, they're number two in some polls, yeah. and then I've seen them as low as 19 really? in other polls. Yeah. Well, Here's I mean. The thing. Evan, with everybody in the transfer portal, we don't know who's leaving. It's to come out with a top 25 right now is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Vegas. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, like William Hill, Michigan is 14 to 1 odds. Heck, you got better ch- if I'm you, I'd go put some money on MSU. I think MSU is like either 25 to 30 to 1 odds to win. Well, so you have no idea. No, you don't. And Jawan left the door open for everybody to come back, which I don't exactly know how that's possible unless he knows something about the rules for next season well, that we don't. Well, in football, they, they expanded um, scholarships in football where basically the schools are just going to have to pay for them. Like because of COVID, everybody was told, this year doesn't count. This year doesn't count. That means you can come back. Everybody can come back. The problem I see with Michigan is, is this. They'll have a ton of talent. And this is going to sound really weird. And some people but you just being a Sparty. You may have too much talent. You may have too many bodies vying for time, vying for playing time. Because if you bring the band back together, that team already proved that they could win. But they're also bringing in six people in the number one recruiting class. They didn't come to Michigan to sit behind folks. They came in with aspirations of being one-and-done type of players, of going out and playing. So if you're Jawan, how do you balance this? I think they'll they'll probably, because I'm, I'm thinking that, that Wagner and I'm thinking Livers leaves, which will give you two spots in, in the starting lineup, but – you still got a lot of people that you got to rotate in. They will have five point guards on the team. Yeah. Good luck with that. I could <laughs> I could see Wagner going. The only question I have about livers is they say that's a six-month recovery with that stress fracture that he underwent surgery for. If I'm an NBA team, which I already thought he was like a second-round player, I didn't think he was a first-round grade, and just my right. opinion, what I watch, right? I wonder if it's almost better for him to go back to Michigan, show his foot is good, and he can play. 
for livers, it absolutely would be the best thing. But I don't know if that's the best thing for Michigan because, as I said, you got six guys coming in. And if livers is back, livers, you know. You take away a lot of minutes from a young kid. Right. Somebody ain't playing. There's only X amount of minutes that you could play. I think there's only 200 minutes in a college game to be played, divvied up amongst the, the, the people on the court. Yeah, some guys aren't getting the minutes that they think, and you can see heavy people either decommitting or go hitting that transfer portal early. So it's, it's turning more and more like pro sports. It really, really is. Yeah, where it's just free agency. Yeah. Where, yeah, soon you're going to create the super team where you're like, well, what if, hey, Evan, how about you and I and we all just hook up and go to this one school? <laughs> you know, I let's mean, just live out our dream our final year and let's all play together. That I is the fear that, that you have with that one-time transfer rule, that you can get a bunch of buddies that maybe, you know, say a bunch of kids grew up in Columbus, Ohio, right? Three of them go to right. Ohio State, one goes to Michigan, one goes to Penn State, and one goes to Florida. they all there for three years, and they're all like, Senior year, they're like, hey, let's go join up with linebacker coach that was at Ohio State four years ago. You know what I mean? And right. and you might have that happen. And where it would be really scary is basketball. That if you so, get four grown men out there that are been through the college ranks and have battled, that's going to be a scary team, man. I could easily see that happening one day. And I'm waiting for the first kid to transfer midseason. Transfer in December, new team in January. Wait, is that something that can happen? Evan, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's tested it or not. Because that's based off of semesters, right? The transfers are? Yeah. So you're right. If you go from a fall semester to a winter semester like that, if you're able to do it, if you get that one-time rule where it's like, okay, I'm sitting at home. I'm deciding if I'm going to go to Michigan or Michigan State. I choose to go to Michigan State, but I'm like, Holy crap, Michigan is so much better. Why don't I go there right or, now? Or, you know what? Michigan just got hit with a bunch of injuries, and their guys are done for the year. I can I'm go third in. on the depth chart here. I'm starting in two weeks for them. Dude, we so, need to get an answer on this. I, I'm, I'm looking to see if no one knows, but I think that that may just be one that nobody's pressed the issue yet. That's going to be like the trade deadline. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that that's something that could happen. So, but uh, yeah, a lot still going on in the world of college basketball as we try to wrap this season up. Going into next year, looks like Michigan, Michigan State, going to be two top twenty-five teams for now. So Good. Got to wait to see what's going to happen with Amani Bates. I love it at Michigan State. When do you think we find out about that? Is that a summer decision? Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a summer decision. Okay, they're they're in no hurry, really. right? Um, I mean, they just have to, I guess, before the semester starts, because then you got to say, okay, we're reclassified. So you're probably looking at around July, August type of thing of whether he's going to do it and, and get in there. So we'll, 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 we'll have to wait and see. But um, so, yeah, so if he comes, things will change. That'll change the <clears throat> outlook for Michigan State. For Michigan – you know, who comes, who stays, that's going to be a big outcome. I think the both teams in the state will be good, but, man. But the big news of the day still, <laughs> Sean Miller out at Arizona. Who takes those shoes? Who fills them? I don't know. I don't know which direction they're going to go. Do they go uh, former coach? Maybe they go Damon Stoudemire. Isn't he assistant coach somewhere? Uh, yeah, he is. I forget. Is he a G League coach? Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. So maybe they try and bring him back. So, Dude, you know how big of a fan I was of him growing up? Oh, my goodness. Mighty Mouse was yeah. the man, dude. When he played with Toronto, yeah. bad man. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. He so. is a coach hey. at Pacific right now. Okay. So, yeah. he, he's Same. been a coach with the Grizzlies, and he was an Arizona assistant between 2013 and 15. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that he probably would be number one on their draft board right now. So, all right, Evan, what you got for me? You know what? I didn't even think of one this week, so I'll let you off the hook. But you know what? <laughs> no, you know what? I changed that. What was your favorite game from the tournament this year? Did you have a favorite one? 
Yeah, I think the favorite game for the tournament was the game that I probably did not see at the beginning because I didn't think it was going to be that good, and that's Gonzaga-UCLA. That ended up being the best game, 93-90 to in overtime, banked in shot at the last second. I mean, that game played out like a, a Disney movie. It wasn't even a real game. Other than that, that really was the only memorable game in the NCAA term, there were better women's games this there were, year. There were absolutely competition wise, a hundred percent. And the fact that that was the only buzzer beater that we had, and let's be honest, it's not a true buzzer beater because they were tied, they would have gone to overtime right. anyway. But right. that's crazy that that didn't happen in any game. And most games actually were kind of blowouts, but that's the season blowouts, that, boring. Yeah, and was, man. you know what. You needed the blue bloods. You needed teams to hate. You really there were no did. teams that you could hate. No, like people there. wanted to hate Gonzaga, but I'm like, how do you hate a small school like yeah. that? That's Hating when... Gonzaga is like the people who hate Sister Jean. Yeah, or you, like really, you're hating. Okay, well because that's well, what just... sports is all about: is the little school winning a national title. And well, yeah. they haven't done it yet. Well. Understand, it is tough to win a national title. I mean, yeah, Coach K has a few, and um, what's his name over at Villanova has a few, but yeah. it's tough. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, it's tough to get multiple championships, let alone one. Like we said it earlier in this episode, it's been since 2000 a Big Ten team has won the national title. You know well, I mean? heck, it was, uh, what, 66 the last time a team from Texas? It was Texas Western? <laughs> you know, yeah. No team from Texas had won a national title. You know, they had got Houston had made it a couple times with five slam and jamma, but it's it's difficult to do. But and most I, people don't see it that way. But you needed you needed Kentucky to hate. You needed Duke. You needed North Carolina. You needed the Michigan State. You needed teams to hate. And, teams you're like, I'm so sick of these teams. And I think the problem was too, is there weren't any like true stars in college basketball this year. You could say Cade Cunningham. But his game yeah, he isn't fizzled out too quickly. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a kid that your average fan is going to turn on the TV and be like, "Oh my God, he really is incredible." No. You know, I in think the, end, the kid that you mentioned say, earlier, that Chet Holmgren or what's his name, that big recruit, that's a yeah. kid that people are going to watch. Yeah, uh, in the end, uh, we were left with uh, Suggs and Johnny Zhang with the two biggest names. Which, and I mean, Juzang's game is nice, but it's more Rip Hamilton than it is Michael Jordan. You know what? He basically, he, he pulled a Darrell Summers. Yeah, that's he exactly it. right now. Yeah, he, he went leave. hot. He, had to, he got the tournament of his life. Probably will catapult him to the low end of the lottery and just be happy. Yeah, go look. Make if, that money. If you go look at his stats, I was just doing it yesterday, his game logs, there's a lot of empty games in his bag. And yeah. if I were him, yeah, I'm going first-round pick. I mean, you almost guaranteed that this year with your performance in clutch time in the biggest games. And that's what NBA teams want to see, right? Yeah. So, so that's what I, I got. I'm but, you, yeah, I feel like the tournament was a little lackluster, and it was everything that you had said. No villains. You know, the cat, the average college basketball fan just wasn't there this season because the games were just, eh. I mean, it's yeah. different without fans. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see next year what happens. All right. So we'll be back. We're getting a step closer to spring football. At least State's going to have a spring game. I, I noticed one gonna do. they are not, from what I've been told, and it's also very interesting, we could talk about this next week, that Michigan players are talking but not their head coach. <laughs> yeah, they're having fun now. Oh, they're yeah. Playing. Music. Rico, yeah. I'm not trying to be that much of a hater, but sometimes I'm considered that. But when I saw a headline today from, or just this week from Blake Corum talking about how the juice that Mike Hart brings in that running back room, and I'm like, you know, last year's running back coach is still on that team in Jay Harbaugh, and yeah. you're kind of crapping on them. It's just weird to see them dog the coaching staff that was there before indirectly by saying how great. The new coaching staff is. I understand see, I, you have to say it, yeah. but. When I saw that they were playing music, I don't know, maybe it was the bad, mean person in me. I'm wondering, hey, can I make a request for Josh Groban? You raised me up. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I have not been privy to go to many Michigan events as a media member, but that was one that I've been to, and boy, was it memorable. <laughs> yeah. The odds yeah. that I got sent to that event out of all people. You were there. Oh, I was wow. there. I watched it happen. I witnessed it. I 
secretly recorded it on my phone. So <laughs> you watch you watch the band play as the ship sank. Rico, I'm sitting there as somebody that is not a fan of Michigan athletics, but I do value my job very much so, so I don't show my bias if I am at an event and just sitting there and the laughter in my head was literally Joaquin Phoenix, Jack Nicholson, and every Heath Ledger, any Joker, all those laughs were going through my head because I'm like, I really can't believe I'm seeing this, but at the same time, I can believe that I'm seeing this. And the bad thing is, is I think Rich Rodriguez could have been successful there if given a fair shot. Rich Rodriguez would have been successful there. His offense at least would have. If he was given his fourth year and he – think about – they denied him bringing his defensive coordinator. They said it was too much. And I think he wanted like half a million dollars. Now they're paying over a million for their guys. If they brought him his defensive coordinator, Michigan would have been a powerhouse right now. I hate to say it, but – they may have had a title. They would have. Been, we would be talking about Michigan the way we talk about Ohio State. I also. That's Robert what I was going to say. You and you would have had the quarterbacks too that would have done it because let's mm-hmm. be honest. The best quarterback that's happened since Lloyd Carr was Denard Robinson, just because of what he could do on that field. He could change a game. Captain arm punt. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but think about it. I mean, that kid changed the game just with no. his legs. If he could have thrown yep. a little bit. That kid could have won a Heisman Trophy, or if he yeah, was a little no. bit bigger. But but that's just anyway, well, he that's, did win a September Heisman. Well, yeah, yeah, that game against Notre Dame, and even right at, at, as somebody that doesn't K-4 like Michigan, CAs that's one of the more and, impressive things I've ever seen. But yeah, think about it. We talk about Harbaugh just needs his quarterback. Look at the quarterbacks that Rich Rod had when he came in here. Mm-hmm. Steven three. Hey, honestly, I think Devin Gardner would have been better. Under Rich Rodriguez. He probably would have because they would have ran that offense for him. When they were been wearing that 98 jersey. Yeah, All instead right, anyway. of going pro. <laughs> yeah, Like I said, we can talk for a while. We'll save that for another episode. We'll, we'll, we'll do some college football next week. Now we're talking. Okay. All righty. <laughs> All right, for Evan, I'm Rico. Thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where Owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that Owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, we're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice as grow and title services. Call 833-858-0066 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. Hi, I'm John Meacham, the host of Cadence 13's new podcast, Fate of Fact, on how America and its political parties got to where we are today. Available now on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.